0: My name is Matt Bagley. I'm joined across the magic of the interwebs by my friend Justin Hopkins of ScoopDuck.com, and this is ScoopDuck and Hi-Fi, back for another week. Back after what I think was a very special Saturday at Autzen Stadium. In the week leading up to the spring game, I talked about the need for clarity. I wanted to see Oregon excel in their passing game and I wanted to see clarity in who was going to lead that passing game who was going to be the starting quarterback of the Ducks now Dan Lanning didn't share his answer but I feel pretty confident we have an answer after what we saw Saturday I was most impressed with Bo Nix what were you most impressed by of all the things you saw Saturday my friend
1: yeah I mean I agree and that seems to be kind of the popular sentiment as well from you know folks that were there or just watched it on tv you didn't have to be there to to you know be able to see uh the game and in fact the 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 broadcast was actually pretty good so uh because that's how i watched and I, you know i think when you watched O'Nix, he seemed the most comfortable he didn't seem to force the ball of course he had the one interception and it wasn't great but it was a spring game i mean it, yeah, I'm, i mean i'm not gonna go too knee-jerk on that uh he just seemed uh, you know, just the the phrase that is commonly used is kind of having that it factor, and it and it seemed like he had it. And you know, again, he's a he's a young man. I know Ty Thompson can too. He's a young man that can run the ball pretty effectively when he needs to. Um, and, and and he did. You know, obviously, that's not an element to the spring game. Um, you know, I know folks kind of say, well, you know, Ty Thompson's a little bit more of a runner. Well, he is, but Bo Nix can run too. And again, neither one of them were able to. So. Um, yeah, I, I just think the touch on the deep ball. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything I read from the people you trust, QB Eleven, you know, Hithliday, anybody that you like to follow that that you think knows football, really, uh, it seems as though Bo Nix was was definitely the guy from that from from the spring game.
0: Right, right, and I'm I'm really excited about that because. I feel like we, we can kind of knock a question out of the way. We don't have to debate who should be the starter for the next five, six months. Um, but I, there's another way to look at this, too. You, you talk about those deep balls. Are you concerned at all by how open those receivers were? <laughs>
1: um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll say yes there. Um, you know, that's always a concern. And I think that. You know, for for me personally, um, you know, cornerback and safety are probably, um, you know, two of my concerned position groups for Oregon. They were all spring. Um, Obviously, it was for Oregon because they went and got Christian Gonzalez and brought him over. I think he's going to be really good, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you still are going to need a really good number two opposite him. Uh, You're going to need a number three when you face, you know, a, a USC or a Washington State or somebody that's running a pretty wide open style of offense um so yeah you never you know anytime there's the good which you know the good from that was the deep ball and and connecting deep and receivers getting open uh you know conversely is why were they open um (laughs) i i i think that we got a pretty um bare bones attempt from the defense you know i think usually your offense is is very vanilla and doesn't want to show their cards in a spring game, understandably so. And I don't think Oregon really showed anything. They, they just ran a couple plays, and it was really a lot of stuff that we'd seen from them before. So I don't think it was anything that was new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the difference is they were able to complete the deep ball, and I know that got fans pretty excited. Uh, defensively, I think they were, you know, very limited. There was some defensive linemen that didn't play. I think you could see that the defensive linemen, uh you know we're very careful not to obviously attack the quarterback not you know barely touching him if anything um so yeah is, is there concerns about the secondary yes there are. am i pushing the panic button because of the spring game absolutely absolutely no so um yeah that's kind of my big takeaway from it
0: i i, I want to follow up when i asked that last question you chuckled i i want to know why the chuckle why the laughter
1: um, you know, you 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 mean in general of, of being concerned about the secondary? Well, just just uh, you know, are are you getting that question a lot on the boards right now? Oh no, no, I just I it was a really good uh, segue. So I mean, it's just funny when you think about it because everybody's so excited, you know, for the offensive output, for the deep passes, and you know, for for you to go the other way. Yeah. It was a good question. It was a, a a very poignant question, and I and I liked it. But yeah, it's one of those things where you just kind of chuckle because you're like, "Well, yeah, you know, they did pass the ball really well, which <laughs> is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing." Yeah, when you're pl- when you're playing your own team, that is. And, and I agree with you to an extent. Like, there's
0: there's a clip that went viral on Twitter, or uh, you know, air quotes viral, because we're talking about like X's and O's geeks, so not the majority of users on Twitter, but like you know, diehard football fans. Um, there's a clip that went viral of Dan Lanning giving a coach's clinic, and this is after the, the national championship game, and he's breaking down the difference between the Georgia game plan in the SEC championship game and the, the Georgia game plan in the Natty when they had the rematch against Alabama. So, like, what they did wrong and what they did right. And I've watched bits and pieces of this, and – the, the takeaway for me is that when he wants to, Dan Lanning can scheme up some really creative packages on defense. I, I don't think Oregon's going to be just aggressive all blitzes all the time, but I think they can get exotic when they want to. And the catch is, in the spring game, you don't want to be exotic because you don't want to show any tape to your opposition.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I'm, I am, you know, a thousand percent certain. You know, we saw the most absolute vanilla base defense from Oregon, um, and, and for two reasons. Like you said, first off, you don't want to put anything on film for your opponents, and secondly, uh, you know they only had about four weeks to learn some of that stuff. So I, I doubt you know, you you say the word playbook in terms of offense. Well, there's a playbook on defense too, right? And I doubt you're very you're very far into the playbook at this point if you're Dan Lanning. So, uh, yeah, just kind of one of those things. The old uh, the old kiss phrase, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, I'm sure that's what we saw on offense or excuse me on defense. And you know in turn that that allowed the offense to do some things and they were obviously a lot more aggressive as an offense than you typically would see in a spring game, but it, it made it made it more fun, it made it more enjoyable for duck fans and I, I think it really offered a lot of relief you know for duck fans that have have been you know notably frustrated with the offense the last couple of years. So I think it was just kind of that breath of fresh air
0: okay now let's talk about some of the players that stood out now that we've hit on the scheme and and the changes in the staff and their philosophy that stood out i am so hyped for the chase coda bandwagon to just drive all over the pac-12 this fall man all those contested catches down the middle sign me up i loved what he did uh did he stand out to you and and anybody else in that wide receiver room pop out to you
1: i thought the wide receivers as a whole stood out um you know i think you've got a very dynamic player in seven mcgee who continues to get you know kind of more and more comfortable you know being not just a running back being more of of a pass catcher being more of a slot guy just kind of getting comfortable in the offense that way um you know didn't see a ton from Troy Franklin but uh, we already know what he can do I think it was nice to see Dante Thornton uh you know making some plays and and maybe you know obviously making the big the big touchdown play the big catch and just really being more involved I think that room is really good it's really talented um and I think your point is correct Uh, I thought Chase Cota was the most impressive and he didn't have all the stats or didn't have the big touchdown catch maybe that some of the other guys did but like you said, those contested catches, the fact that it's third and six and you need somebody to run along that, you know, that six yard line marker there, or even get, you know, get that extra yard and get, get it gets you seven yards. Uh, you know, who are you going to trust? Right. And I think if it's not a tight end, it's going to be chase Coda. He's going to figure out a way to get open. He's going to find the soft spot. And if he happens to have a guy or two on him, there's still a chance he can make that catch and and I do think that that is something Oregon hasn't had uh in a long time. Uh, I mean they've had some good receivers but really to have somebody that that is that dependable um and, and I think you know there is a knock on Chase. I, I don't think he gets the credit he should for his, his athletic ability um you know and just for really his like his physical stature, his size. I I know a couple people you know close to the program told me you know we knew he was a guy that could play receiver and, and and run routes and but man he's a little bigger and more physical than we expected and, and that's a good thing right that's that's what you want to hear about your wide receivers so um I know I rambled on about the wide receivers where he talked about Bo Nicks. there wasn't much to take away from the running back group uh there was even less to take away from the offensive and defensive lines in my opinion they were mixed and matched and just really almost just kind of bodies there along the line of scrimmage so um, you know, DJ Johnson, obviously, he was kind of the talk of the town. I, I think it's great that he's back at defensive end, defensive line. That's where he always should have been all along. But I realize he was, you know, helping fill a need. Uh, it's nice to see him, you know, I would assume getting developed and really becoming into a, a maybe the player, um, you know, everyone thought they were getting with him at Oregon. Um, you know, that's some of the, the guys that stood out. Uh, again like we you joked about or, or you now i joked about and you asked about earlier was the the you know the defensive backs you know i think we still need to see some more from that group but i'm not gonna again i'm not gonna knee-jerk reaction from a, from a spring game it, it was nice to see everybody healthy out of the spring game i know yeah. chris hudson got got a little dinged up but it seemed like he was fine uh you know in the end other than that they walked out of the spring game healthy. And I think that's something that really hasn't been talked about enough is just the fact that they completed the game and, you know, Justin Flo was out there. And, 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 again, everybody looks like they're in great shape headed into the fall.
0: Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought Oregon did the wise thing by sitting some guys. and They didn't want to flare up injuries. And then the guys that they played, like you mentioned, Nobody gets whacked. Nobody gets hurt really bad. Uh, that, that's going to be a great thing because even though we have all this time before fall camp, players are using that off time to work out, to, to study the playbook and, and clean up any mistakes that they or the staff might have caught on Saturday or over spring practices. And um, I, I think when you go into fall camp healthy, it, it really helps you get on the right foot to dominate in uh in the fall and in college football season so that's a great thing for oregon that like you said i think that's probably the best takeaway to take from the spring game is that there weren't any injuries
1: yeah no it, it's very important and i think you know i I, I don't think fans have really and, and and again, this is you know probably to do with Dan Lanning. You know, he's very tight-lipped on injuries, as we've already noticed. You know, he's very tight-lipped on really just talking about team news in general, uh, as we've already learned. And and I think that, you know, if 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 you're talking about this kind of behind closed doors, uh, you know, openly, I think there was a lot of injury concerns with this team. Uh, I think there was a lot of guys that were beat up and really just needed more time to get their bodies right. Um, You know, take from that what you will, whether it was, you know, just how their bodies are, the strength and conditioning program or whatever the case might be, Uh, you know, getting to the fall, getting these guys reps and still keeping them upright and healthy was very, very important. And it sounds like it was a pretty good success on that front.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Now let's kind of tease what we have going the rest of the podcast. We're waiting any minute now to speak with Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. I'm I'm curious. How did you set that up?
1: Uh just, you know, it's one of those things you you kinda of work uh uh you know, work work your angles and, and see, you know, it's like getting Coach Clem on and, and getting uh, you know, uh Marshall Malkow and, and some of these others that we've been fortunate to have and and uh, you know, again I think with I, I think the biggest thing that we have going for us, and and why we're able to get some of these, is you have a new coaching staff that's really still trying to build relationships and and you know what I mean, develop. And so it's important for them to have, you know, platforms and radio interviews and things like that, so you can kind of, you know, pick up on their on their, um, you know, mannerisms or just kind of get a feel for what makes them tick. And and I think like for instance, the last one we did with Coach Clem, I think it was really important because he just doesn't. You know, he, he doesn't get on social media much. He keeps to himself, and I think it opened a lot of eyes to the kind of person he is and why he's you know successful at recruiting. Um, and I know Coach Dillingham has been a little bit more vocal um, and been a little bit more public. But again, you know, having a podcast like this where there's not 27 reporters around, we can ask different questions and 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 maybe go a little bit more in depth with with him. And and uh, I think that's important for this you know this new staff to keep kind of building. Uh, you know, those kinds of relationships with the fan base.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm biased as hell being a media guy, but I I get it. I I think that it's an opportunity for these guys. And you mentioned Coach Clem, who we had on last week. Um, It's an opportunity for them to introduce themselves to a fan base, right? Like as a fan, we don't ever really get to know the coaches ever. But we kind of get to know, or at least we, we get to make an impression when we see them call plays and, and whether or not those plays work. And if you're Marcus Arroyo, that impression you know, might turn pretty negatively, right? But, but if you're Kenny Dillingham, who is going to join us in a moment, I think he has a chance to get out in front and make a solid impression before any plays get called, and, and that's a good thing for him
1: yeah I yeah, know it's important you know kind of to build that uh you know that goodwill if you will um, you know with the fan base and 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 for a guy like I think especially with coach Dillingham uh, you know he's he's a west Coast guy but primarily out of the state of Arizona and right. and, and and that was early on and then he obviously left and went to uh, you know the different footprint of the country so I think I think there are questions about him being younger and 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 being a young Play caller, and, and I think, you know, again, kind of letting people know and figure out what makes you tick is, is going to be important for him, just like it was, you know, to kind of talk about, uh, you know, to talk with Clem and kind of figure out, you know, what makes him tick as well. Yep. Well, we're just
0: about to find out because he's ready to jump in with us. Kenny Dillingham, Ducks OC. All right. We just introduced him. Kenny Dillingham oregon offensive coordinator and and after the last four days oregon's hero if you ask anybody in the fan base there was a lot to love on saturday um we'll ask you about that kenny but my first question every time we have somebody new on our podcast is a really fun one you're the the offensive coordinator for the ducks it's your first year as the ducks oc why oregon
2: I mean, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, You know, I'm a West Coast guy through and through. And uh, me and my wife, you know, got the experience of living in the South for a while. And uh, we decided we wanted to get, we wanted to move back home, back closer to the West Coast. And, uh, but we loved college towns. So, uh, you know, this was an opportunity to live in a college town and uh, get back closer to home, get back closer to family. And this. A place with a with a heavy tradition of scoring points, and and I wanted to be at a place with that sort of tradition.
1: Uh, I want to ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to what I wanted to ask you originally, but off of that tangent, coach, you, you had a sound bite that that went a lot of different directions on you, and I don't think it was, it went the direction you intended. But kind of calling Oregon, uh, Eugene University of Oregon, um, you know, the only college town west of Texas. <laughs> what did you kind? What did you kind of mean? Uh, you know, when you when you gave that soundbite that kind of went viral and, and went the wrong direction on you? I think.
2: Yeah, that went the wrong way. People were asking about my wife and my family, and we said we loved living in college towns and we loved the, our 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 time in the South, but we wanted to get closer to home and we wanted to be at a place that you know could compete at the highest level. So, uh, you know, I said that, and all I was really saying was pac 12s you know i believe in the pac 12 i'm a pac 12 guy and uh, i think there's a lot of places that are that are really good on this side of the country but i felt like eugene and the is a special place when it comes to the the commitment to football and uh, i don't think that's that's questionable the commitment that eugene and oregon uh, makes for this program so all i was saying was this is a place that's all in this is a place that's fully committed to be the very best that we could possibly be and uh and that's the kind of program myself, and my wife wanted to be a part of was was one that was committed and all in, and, and a place where you could compete at the highest level.
0: Yeah, I, I well, like Nick. that. I like that statement. You know, I I've always said with, with my job where I, I tend to cover a lot of high school sports, it's not Texas, right? Football's not a religion here, but I I think it's a community here, and and I would be willing to bet you saw that Saturday with the forty thousand plus in Austin.
2: Oh, there's no question. I mean, there's forty-something thousand fans there, che- and not just there, active. I mean, there's a difference between forty thousand people just there, sitting there eating a hot dog, right? And there's a difference between forty-something thousand people there cheering and getting excited and fired up. And you could feel. I mean, I'm in the box and I opened the windows for this for the spring game, so I could so I could just feel that environment. And I mean, that felt like game day. And if you ask our players, you know, there's been COVID the past few years. And not all games have been sold out because of those reasons. I mean, that felt like game day uh, for a lot of our guys. And it was really the first opportunity some of our young guys have been on the field in live action uh, with a crowd and 42,000 people. I mean, that was just incredible to be a part of.
1: So we'll talk more about the spring game in a bit. Um, But let's 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 take it back. Let's let's wind it back. And uh, so you grow up in, in Arizona and i don't think folks know the story they probably all haven't looked up your wikipedia page how do you get into coaching how does this thing start for you
2: one i didn't even know i had a wikipedia page so <laughs> uh, two uh i started coaching when i was 17 i tore my acl going to my senior of high school and my high school coach at the time charlie regal uh, who's now the head coach at idaho state <coughs> he said kenny uh you know, why don't you just start coaching? So I started coaching there, and I started coaching when I was 17, and I ended up coaching all the way through when I was uh, in college. So I went to college out there, and I coached for seven years at the high school level, and I just kind of learned and growed and, and climbed the ladder of high school. Uh, I didn't have any connections to college, didn't have a brother or an uncle, didn't play college, didn't – I mean, I knew nobody in college. And I just kind of walked, walked in the door to, to Arizona State and kind of said, hey – I'd love to learn, and I met a guy named Mike Norvell, and uh, who was one of the, the best offensive coaches in, in college football, and uh, just started learning from him and learning from him, and then I got an opportunity to get my foot in the door, and uh, from there, I just kind of continually progressed, had an opportunity to go be the, an OC at Auburn on uh, the SEC and um, at Memphis and at Florida State, so I've had a lot of opportunities that I've been blessed for, but I think it all started with, you know, my high school coaches give given me that opportunity and believing in me when I was 17 years old and said, I think you got a calling for this. And the, the worst part about the entire story I kind of left out was my entire life growing up, you know, I'd be 11 years old, 12 years old. And, you know, people would tell me I played catcher in baseball and I played linebacker in football and they would, uh, my, you know, friends and family would be, or coaches would be like, man, you're going to make a great coach. I'm like, man, I'm 12. I'm trying to play. I don't want like y'all, y'all, y'all are ruining my dream as a 12 year old, right now. But uh, you know, I guess you know, it, it all came true, and uh, hopefully, I'm living up to that standard.
0: What kind of plays were you calling at 17?
2: Oh, I mean, not very good ones, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, when, when, when you. The, transition from playing to coaching you know you learn so much and I was blessed I mean the high school staff I was on just to put this in perspective uh, it currently has the general manager of the Oakland Raiders was on our high school staff Wow! The the assistant general manager of the Denver Broncos was on our high school staff two area scouts in the NFL were on our high school staff an NFL Hall of Famer a college head coach and three other college position coaches we're all on our head coach, and not including a seven-year NFL vet who's a high school coach in the Valley still, who's probably the best coach of all of us. And uh, so I had an opportunity from the age of 17 to not just be coaching high school, but to be around minds that are currently at the highest level of the NFL and uh, you know all over the college ranks. So I, I kind of got blessed to be around some people that I just got to steal knowledge from from an early age.
1: So you know've've I've, uh, I've met and interacted with Coach Ragel before. I love the guy. he's as, he's as good as they come. but let's be real. He's a pretty intense individual. did, did that uh, you know did that kind of help shape you in those early stages as well?
2: Oh, there's no question. I mean, he just set the standard for me in terms of what passion looks like. You know, when you play the game, it's it, it's fun and there's a lot of enjoyable moments. but when you coach, there's a lot of things that aren't fun that go into it you know there's a lot of when you're not around the players you know there's a lot of things you have to do that aren't necessarily fun and uh the passion that he just brought every single day to everything he did uh was something that i took with me and uh you know i'm an energetic passion to do it well as well so just to see how he carried himself on a day-to-day basis and you knew he was going to be successful not just as a high school head coach but as he as, as he's progressed in his career so uh, you know, he was just a great standard for me to get around, you know, what commitment to excellence and what passion looks like.
1: So coach Lanning, you know, gets the job, you know, at Oregon decides to leave Georgia. He's going to be the head coach here. Walk us through, you know, how quickly he called you. How did that come about? And when did you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go, I want to go coach with coach Lanning at Oregon.
2: Well, I mean, he called, he called me pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, obviously, Coach Lang and I have an unbelievable relationship dating back many a years. I mean, we, we'd be, we were calling each other that year just talking about offense, defense, and structures and what would give this a problem to his future opponent and what would give my future opponent a problem. And we'd FaceTime each other and show the tape. And, you know, that's the relationship we had. We were kind of like our inside offensive and defensive knowledge for both of our staffs even though we weren't on the same staff because we didn't have common opponents so you know we could kind of pick each other's brains so I knew that when the opportunity opened that uh, he thought highly enough of me uh based off of our time together that you know I think it could have happened and I think that my connections to the west coast my my passion for for Pac-12 football and football out west and I think everything just kind of checked boxes to be a, a perfect situation.
1: So you get to Oregon, uh, he brings you in. How much of the, uh, you know, obviously I know oftentimes a, a coordinator has a lot of input in the hiring on that side of the ball. You know, were you involved with with Coach Lanning pretty early there in building that offensive staff, if you will? One hundred
2: percent. I mean, one hundred. That was that was one of the big keys for me, and uh, and coming here was he was gonna, you know, let me kind of put together a staff that we both uh, wanted. You know, and I think that's the most important thing, uh, you know, in a program is the people. And uh, I wanted to make sure the people we brought in were people that I believed in, and people that Coach Landing believed in. So I mean, we didn't hire just the people that I knew, that I had worked with in the past. We didn't do the easy thing. It would have been really easy for me to go back into my coaching tree and and hire everybody I knew. But we wanted to really challenge ourselves to let's go find the very, very best. We're Oregon. We're Oregon. We can go hire the very best coaches not recruiters the very best coaches and developers in the country and that's what we challenged ourselves to do and i believe we did that
1: spring game obviously a ton of people great energy um what maybe was one element to coaching your first game inside austin stadium what was something that possibly surprised you more than anything else about that particular experience
2: Oh, you know, you make me wanna. That.
1: <laughs>
2: that was that was that was pretty cool. I mean, you see it, you see it on the jumbotron when recruits come over. I mean, you see it, you know, played on the video screen. But it's a. I mean, you're at a spring game, and you can feel it. And and all I was thinking to myself is, holy cow! Imagine when this place is sold out. And it was pretty – you could feel the passion in the fans. You could feel the passion around this place. And I think that was what, you know, really stood out to me was just that that passion.
1: No, it's uh, – you're right. Uh, shout is one of the great traditions in college football uh, anywhere, not just at Oregon, anywhere. So you get to the spring game and both offenses right out of the gate, deep balls. What, I mean was that was that planned did you say hey guys let's let's give the fans a show what was what was what kind of went into that
2: well what really went into it is I saw your tweet of you predicting deep balls so I just said let's <laughs> make you look like a fortune teller <laughs> right <laughs> no <laughs> we uh we, we wanted to be aggressive we want to be an aggressive team and uh, I want our guys to understand that we're going to attack attack and attack and uh, I think this was our first opportunity to show uh that we're going to be a team that attacks and a team that people have to defend all areas of the field, not, not just the box, and not just the perimeter, but they're going to have to have to defend the vertical half of the field, the vertical side of the field. And so we wanted to go out there be aggressive and show that I've got confidence in the guys to go out there and make plays. And I think that's a big thing. And I think when you're aggressive like that early, it, it kind of puts the guys at ease that man coach coach trust us coach believes in us coach thinks we can get this done and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of you know a lot of truth to just the the power of kids who believe and the power the power of kids who just are excited to play and i think starting off with those deep shots kind of provided both
1: and it's uh it's also nice to kind of dictate things to the offenses or to the defense as well uh as you know to kind of kick things off in a game um You know, you're going to be largely in part in in charge of the most talked about position group, which is quarterbacks. And you've got three really good ones on your roster. Uh, You know, what did you kind of see from each of them on Saturday? You know, where did each one excel and and what sort of things does each one need to work on moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw all the guys be able to manage the game fairly well. You didn't see, you know, early in the game. Uh, You didn't see many penalties. You didn't see many uh, illegal procedures. You got some false starts later when we started rotating some old line up front. But you saw our guys take somebody right, you know. So I think you saw a lot of uh, guys who felt really comfortable in the system, uh, that they could get other positions aligned, which I know that's a little thing, but that just shows you the comfort level they have uh, in what they're doing. Uh, you saw guys that weren't scared. I think that's a big part when you're playing quarterback is you can't be scared to trust your eyes. If you see something, you got to do it. Now, there was a few times in the game that I think every quarterback uh, put the ball in jeopardy once due to uh, not locating a defender and putting the ball at risk not because of bad ball location but because of bad eyes. And I think that's something we can grow on. But if you take away five plays or there was a total of five plays in that game, where I felt like we put the ball in jeopardy at the quarterback position uh, based off of a, a read or a progression or not locating an offender. And if you take away those five plays, uh, those guys did a, an unbelievable job. But I always talk about in our room, you know, if if you want to judge a quarterback, watch ESPN. And what I mean by that is if your bottom three plays are on ESPN, you're probably in trouble, right? Because it means those bottom three plays were some of the most influential plays in the game, and they were probably critical errors. If you're if only your good plays are on ESPN, it means your bad plays weren't bad enough to make it. So we always talk about let's let's make a highlight on ESPN, not a low light, and uh, you no, know, those negative plays can't be catastrophic to the football team. Um.
1: Final uh, question, Coach, I know you got a lot going on. For those that don't know, Coach is is currently on a bus headed to Portland for the Signing Day event in Beaverton at the World Headquarters of Nike. So that's the background noise that you're hearing there. Uh, Coach, at some point, you're going to have to figure out who's going to be your starting quarterback. And what kind of timeline are you looking at for that big decision?
2: Uh, There's really not a timeline. I think it's going to happen when it happens. I firmly believe that stuff works itself out on its own timeline. Uh, and it's going to happen naturally because somebody's going to have to eventually separate themselves and uh, and be the guy. And I think that's what we're waiting for for, for us is for it just to happen naturally, con- continue to compete, continue, continue every single day to try to push each other to be the very best. And, I mean, I think that's what our room is about. Our, our quarterback room right now is about helping each other be the very best because if I help you be better – then in tune, I have to be better to beat you out. So let's help each other be the very best versions of ourselves, which is essentially will help me be the very best version of myself.
1: Uh, last question, Coach, here. I'm going to send you off. Uh, you know, you're, you're somewhat new to Eugene. Uh, I know you've got your family around, uh, a young one, and your wife and everything. Uh, where's the go-to spot for the Dillinghams to go out to when you actually get time to go out to eat?
2: Uh, well, going out... Uh, has yet to happen since the Newport, <laughs> uh, but but dining in is very common, and uh, we, we we love we love Coburg Pizza, man. We we really enjoy Coburg Pizza, uh, so that that's kind of been my my easy pickup spot uh, for us
1: nice and and uh, and the wife's happy with that pizza and being able to sit at home for a little bit, maybe while the young one's sleeping that's a win right there.
2: that's That's an absolute win. One thousand percent that's a win.
1: <laughs> that's a win. All right, coach. well, we appreciate your time and uh, you know definitely enjoy your event tonight in Beaverton. I know there's a lot of duck fans that are excited to meet all you guys.
2: Awesome, I appreciate y'all having me
0: we We just had one of those interviews. And I, I hate to do this to you, Justin. I know we've had so many of these over the years where we get a coach on or a player on, and we, we maybe ask 10 questions, and you have to do the brunt of the work. You do like eight or nine of them. I promise I wasn't being lazy. I promise I wasn't just trying to freeload this. It's just it was one of those rare times where all the things I wanted to ask Kenny Dillingham you were asking Kenny Dillingham. Those were good questions and,
1: well, and and great answers. I I really came away impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess the saying goes, you know, great minds think alike, right? Yeah. And uh, no, it's it's one of those things too. When you know, you I guess as you're asking questions, you kind of get into the like the routine, or you kind of get into the I don't know. You hit you hit the zone, if you will. And and I felt like you know I had you know two or three that just kind of went right off. You know right after each other and um yeah obviously as you know you're you're more than welcome to interject anytime but i i yeah. do the same thing with you at times where there's like man matt's on a heater i'm just gonna let him you know let him let him keep the hot hand so uh no we you and i uh i think really in in terms of, of podcasting you know in the world we're small scale and just to be able to have guests like Coach Dillingham and Coach Clam, and and you know we have another guest that I'm pretty excited about here in just a few minutes. I I think it's great for our podcast, and you know really it's great for Duck fans to kind of be able to get you know I, I think we offer a little bit more of a personal touch, kind of getting to know those coaches instead of just you know hey what'd you think of you know this wide receiver or this running back or what'd you think of this play or this interception, um, you know just kind of really be able to you know maybe let them speak a little bit more freely if you will
0: yeah no doubt hey you mentioned a guest coming up i'll I'll tip our hand for anybody listening who who doesn't know uh kyler casper committed to oregon uh, a, a while back about a week week two ago uh his father kevin casper played in the league. And a long NFL career, has a Super Bowl ring, traveled all over the country in in a very long and and successful NFL career. He's going to join us in a few minutes here, Kevin Casper. So we get one of my favorite interactions on the pod, the parent of a player. Always love when we get those. But um, back to the Dillingham conversation, if there's one thing I want fans to take away from that, he gave his philosophy to us. He said he wants his teams to attack, attack, attack. How refreshing! It to, how refreshing is it to hear that from an Oregon play caller?
1: Yeah, if you, I mean, if you're a Ducks fan, you're just—I mean, you're—you know—you probably just turned around and high-fived the person behind you in the cubicle, and they're like what's going on dude what's going on you know (laughs) you know you're hearing you know coach dillingham talking about throwing the ball and and playing a little bit more aggressive and and making defenses you know defend all areas of the field um and and i think you know in fairness we had heard uh you know that from from coach cristobal and and coach moorhead last couple years but didn't really see it on the field in a you know, in a continual basis. It just wasn't there week in and week out or even quarter by quarter. And I right. think that if do you look at the way Auburn, you know, has played offense the last few years, if you look at the way Florida State has played offense the last few years, they were much more open and dynamic than Oregon has been. And, you know, Coach Gillingham was at both of those spots. And I think again, you you feel pretty good when you hear him say that you think okay well he probably means it and then you go and watch the spring game and it happens and you're like okay he actually really meant it so <laughs> i think i think if you're an oregon fan again i i i, I have you know again you and i've been fortunate to have coach cristobal on the podcast several times uh, and i've said this and you've said this nothing for but respect for him and what he brought to oregon and and the and the areas that he improved Oregon in and you know all of those things but when a fan walks up to me and says hey guess what you know what I was kind of bored with our team the last year or two I'm not going to sit here and blast them for it because I can kind of see what you're saying I mean it's great that Oregon was winning and you know they were obviously felt that that was a recipe to give them a chance to win but you know I can at least understand. You know why someone says that and i can understand why folks were so excited about the spring game um uh, you know and what happened and seeing the offense passing the ball and the big plays and the big catches and then again just hearing coach dillingham talk about that philosophy and what he plans on doing um i, I think those are all great things and i think what we're really seeing right now is kind of like that great rejuvenation back in the program you know i think I think in my opinion and i'm on a tangent here i think folks you know were kind of standoffish about the spring game not totally sold and then like the last two or three weeks you start seeing hey this player's going to be there this player's going to be there you know and they start really you know really promoting it and, and and all these different things and then you were able to get enough people out there and then It just like it hit right like it hit everything hit everything went perfectly there was a great day for being a duck there was you know all these people there all these recruits showed up uh the game was fun the offense was fun and i you know everything you see on social media all the post game interviews all that stuff just really kind of rejuvenated the program and i i i think that's awesome i think i think that's what oregon needed
0: yeah yeah i i've always said I think there's two kinds of coaches there's coaches that that have a vision and and a philosophy and they want to execute that every single game and then there's coaches that i think their vision or their philosophy is to adjust their vision and philosophy and and kind of take in what people are telling them and take in what they watch on film and and uh and and really change things so like the difference between say a Nick Saban who on defense Saban is going to run what Saban is going to run and say a Bill Belichick who's going to change up his defense every Sunday. Um, I think so far you have a really cool dichotomy where if I had to pinpoint Dan Lanning I would say dan lanning is that guy that his vision is to adjust a vision right he's going to change what he wants to do he's going to listen when the alumni say they don't feel like they're represented or they feel like oregon's getting away from the brand what does dan lanning do he invites every prominent oregon football alum that you can think of and and brings them and incorporates them into the program and into the spring game and then kenny dillingham when he talks about attacking and he talks about you know we're going to play with a commitment to excellence and and you know there's a, a deep vertical strike in the passing game and he wants that early and he wants to inspire his team i hear a coach with a vision so i i really like the balance between those two coaches
1: well it's it's a uh, you know the phrase that comes to mind to me is being adaptable right you want coaches that you know are. You know the game adapt to the strengths that they have on their team or the weaknesses that they have on their team adapt to the game evolving I think you know I don't know that I don't know that Nick Saban gets enough credit for the fact that he adapted what we all you know it used to be Nick Saban was gonna play hard-nosed defense and and run the football 55 times a game and that's what you expected and then he obviously realized at some point a few years back that that's not the way the game is played anymore you've got to be balanced on offense you've got to you know push the ball downfield vertically uh you've got to do all those things in order to win and then of course nick saban continued to win so i think those are things that that are are very valuable um you know in the coaching world is that adaptability and again it could be as simple as your adaptability on scheme or you know just the way that you handle things and, and i think for dan lanning I think maybe he very early on sensed maybe that that kind of stagnant feeling I was describing a minute ago and realized, hey, we need to pump some juice in this thing. We need, you know, this, you know, we need people there. We need we need we need this to really hit. And uh, you know, like we like you mentioned, went out and got all those alums to come and it had a really good group of recruits show up. And you know, I think we all feel like the event was a huge success and it definitely hit. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you mentioned we have another guest, and that other guest is waiting in the wings right now, so let's get him on. He's Kevin Casper, the father of 6'5, 195 pound wideout, who just recently reclassified to the class of 22, Kyler Casper, an Oregon commit. Kyler's going to catch passes this fall, we all hope, and Kevin's going to tell us about him next. Talking with Kevin Casper here on Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. He played in the NFL for a, a long list of teams, has a Super Bowl ring from his time with New England, and notably his son Kyler, a, a stud wideout, 6'5", 195 pounds, class of 22, committed to the Ducks earlier this month. So we're talking to the man at the helm of an Oregon family right now, uh, Kevin, I, I'm curious from from where you stand um, f- for you and your son. What are what are your
3: impressions of Oregon? First of all, how you guys doing? Um, well, I'm just I'm just hanging out in Arizona right now. It's, it's it's nice weather, beautiful weather. So that's the one. A little bit different than um, some of the the weather in Oregon, but um, <laughs> you know the the one thing that intrigued my whole family the first first kyler and i were we just went down to oregon but um we went solo and then we were so impressed with a lot of aspects and i'll get into that that we actually came back and um said you know to my wife uh, kyler's mom We said i i want you to see this so we went back for a second visit and then the whole family we kind of added more people so it was just kyler and i then my wife and i and kyler and then us three plus Aaliyah, my daughter, and then and Braylon, my son, were there for the the spring game for his official visit last week. But uh, we we went we went a lot of different places from Pac, Big Ten, um, uh, SEC, and re- really, in my opinion, what separated Oregon from everybody else was was the coaching staff. Kyler really got just just a tremendous. Um, you know i i guess relationship with junior adams the wide receiver coach and that's who he's going to be spending the majority of time with and then sitting down with kenny you know seeing what his offense is all about because initially when oregon offered it wasn't even it was kind of like okay cool the, the the ducks they got cool uniforms sponsored by nike blah 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 but he's not wasn't really interested in it because they they were a run predominant under a uh, crystal ball which he did a you know an excellent job obviously great coach but um it was a little bit different offense than than what kyler was looking for so when kenny came in we sat down with kenny he's a he's a smart dude um really got along with him kyler really liked him and we just broke down how kyler can fit in uh to the offense what the offense he's looking to do um so that was a great aspect and then Uh, I mean, Coach Dan, head coach. uh, He's he's awesome. That we 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 kind of became almost friends, you know. As opposed to, it never felt like we were being recruited. Let's put it that way. From day, you know, I guess day one. Now we've been there a few different times, but not at no point were we being recruited. It was just a genuine, um, just I I guess just getting along with them. And uh, they're different coaching staff, and it's it's one of the only places I've been that. Actually, I you know I'm I'm, I'm spending time with uh, uh, you know offense coordinator obviously, but then getting to know the defensive coordinator, Tosh. Getting to know the tight ends coach, getting to know the linebacker coach, getting to know uh, just a multitude of different coaches. Which I'm, we're not used to that. Usually, when you go places, it's kind of just the receiver coach, and then you see the head coach, and then strength coach, and um, and that's about it. But we we really got to know the entire staff, and my wife was super impressed with that and so was I and Kyler really liked and I guess gravitated towards that entire staff as a whole um and, you know including uh, uh Wilson Love's strength coach he's he's really good uh, I like his energy uh, his passion and then he's very knowledgeable I sat down with him I I know a lot about the I guess the x's and o's when it comes to um training and um you know speed strength all that stuff that's going to help a wide receiver uh, you know in pretty much take his game to another level and, and he was he was spot on with all the things that I you know that that he told me and I, I really liked him um but yeah just the, the entire staff as a whole uh was is just different it's just different than most places we've been to so that's that's really what drew um drew us to it. it wasn't the uniforms which I think they're really cool it wasn't the facilities which are the best in the country um but at the end of the day uniforms and facilities are only one thing and if if the coaching staff isn't you know you don't have to build a relationship with them doesn't matter what facilities and uniforms and all the other you know shiny things it, it has to be starting with the head coach down and we loved it there
1: um you know one of the things that, that maybe i picked up from from different sources is it, is it and, and, and obviously I'm asking you, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as though that that initial relationship with Coach Dillingham was really the, the foot in the door for Oregon, but uh, maybe closer to the middle towards the end, um, you know, Coach Junior Adams, his position coach, wide receiver, did a really good job of kind of showing you how he would help develop uh, Kyler and, and what he's been able to do at previous stops. Was that a pretty big factor as well uh, in his commitment to Oregon?
3: absolutely i mean when uh I, i've been kyler's receiver coach because that's my background playing receiver i've been his uh, receiver coach since really about five years old when i started working routes with him and from the family room to seventh eighth grade and going on until um you know as early as yesterday so i work with him a lot and i sat down with junior a lot and kyler really liked him he he's like man i like this coach he's really cool um, he's he's really good. And then when I started to get to know him, I started seeing the same things that Kyler was doing or, or what he was saying, what he, um, and sitting down with him. He's very knowledgeable. I know that he can, I can pass him on to him. And the only thing he's going to do is get better. And that's, that's the most important factor. And there's a lot of good receiver coaches out there. Obviously we sat down with a ton of them. Um, I just think that junior kind of separated himself just by the person he is and, um, just, just a really good dude and somebody that Kyler can relate to. And he coaches. Uh, we, we watched him coaching, and he's very—he's he, the same person. And doesn't really, you know, get after. He's—he's not—he's demanding and not demeaning. That's the best way I can put it. Um, but definitely, Junior Adams was a huge, huge reason why, you know, why he chose Oregon.
1: Uh, this weekend, uh, as you mentioned, I know you had your your family there uh, in Eugene for the spring game, forty thousand plus strong. We were just talking to Coach Dillingham about it. Uh, it made a huge impression on him. What was maybe one element to attending that game, a spring game live, that maybe really, you know, I know I know you've probably heard things about Oregon and this and that, but what was something you kind of midway through the weekend you're like, whoa, this has really caught my attention. Was there something that really kind of stuck out to you about that weekend?
3: Yeah, I mean, in regards to the spring, the spring game, it was awesome. I mean, seeing forty-two thousand plus people, uh, they, they're very passionate fan base, and I, I, I know there's other places that have seventy, eighty to a hundred thousand people, but I don't know. And I've seen, I've heard about it, you know, reading about it, what some other um, commentators say. But it's one of the loudest stadiums, and I see why. Because forty-two thousand people in the spring game, it got pretty loud. And it's not even the regular season, so just because the way the stadium sits and it kind of encloses all the um, all the noise, which I think that's really cool and uh, really, as far as just the whole week, um, they got Marshall and Tyler are the two guys recruiting um, and Kobe also those guys are like the recruiting coordinators and just just them showing every single aspect from academics to obviously football to um living arrangements eating arrangements everything everything that you learn from other schools but these guys they they were really they felt like friends and and it it was just again it goes back to that i didn't feel like at no point even the first visit those guys were recruiting us at all and my my wife and the kids my kids you know just uh, you know adored the that that whole group and um, so that's, that's something that really stuck out to us and and um, again, it's not just you know not just Dan who the head coach is an awesome coach, but everybody trickled down all the way to uh, Kenny the um, the equipment manager. He's such a good dude too. Just sitting down and and talking to him and and uh, I guess I guess just seeing how, how good of a staff and, and how good a group that these guys assembled and it's it's a it is a special group. So you know fans I'm, I know that they're proud because they're forty-two thousand strong. But as as far as uh, coaching staff, the fans are in great hands. The team's in great hands. And there's someone that we can leave our son because it's not like it's right down the street where we can go check him out. Um, it's it's nerve wracking. As you know, he you mentioned he's six five and a half and one ninety five, but he's still you know my wife's. Baby and my son, and when when you're going and leaving them, kind of not across the country, but still a two and a half hour uh, plane ride, ride away, you got to make sure that he's in the right hands. And and with this staff as a whole, um, and everybody surrounding that staff, we're very comfortable to do that because again, they're 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 exceptional
1: people. So well, you know, oh, go ahead, Matt.
0: Oh, I was I was just gonna say, you know, I'm I'm hearing a lot of positivity about this process and and all the reasons that. Uh, as a family you liked Oregon and all the reasons that Oregon is, is kind of over the top here um, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious if you compare your son's experience uh, as a very highly touted offers from all over the country to your experience where I'm reading this right now you walked on at Iowa originally Yeah. Uh, how, how, is that, um, how is that different? Uh, wh- where does that compare to you?
3: Um whatever the best word would be, you know, for completely opposite. <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's exactly what it is, 'cause uh my my dad and I we drove i I'm from the Illinois Chicago area and you know, I got put on the B team as a freshman in high school and then kinda worked my way up and varsity broke a lot of records uh, as a receiver, but still nobody looked at me. Um there were no coaches coming Knocking on the door, and we drove to Loris and Milliken and St. Ambrose and St. Augustine or Augustana. I mean, schools that you probably don't even Beloit College. Half the people don't even know what any of those schools are. But we are driving all these Division three, and and just because I want an opportunity to play, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I know I'm good enough. It's just nobody's looking at me, and eventually, I got an opportunity from Chuck Long. Uh, to say hey he said would you like to walk on the University of Iowa because my high school coach at that time Jim Kerwin he played in the Big Ten in Illinois and he was telling you know he was telling Chuck Long hey if you give this guy an opportunity I'm telling you he's going to be he's going to be good and and um, the day he came down and, and I was working out and he, he asked me if I liked the opportunity I said coach I promise you if I do I, I broke all the records here and I guarantee I'll break him at University of Iowa too and long story short fast forward about four and a half years later I left there as an the all-time leader and pretty much every category when it comes to receiving so um you know i had to work my butt off now kyler he's he's a different breed of individual um he's doing things that i got at, at my at my peak in the nfl senior year getting ready for combines doing all that stuff he can do stuff just getting out of bed that i can never do um his jumping <laughs> ability is is absolutely stupid i mean he just picked up track for the first time never did track in his entire life and he beat the state champ from last year and jumped to six foot six with terrible form. Wow. And he's, he's only been to three, uh, a total of four practices and three meets right now. And cause we're always gone on the weekend. So he's missed the last four events. So, um, but he, yeah, he jumped to six, six and um, just his, his running route ability is, is really good. Uh, again, I've been working, you know, I've been wor- uh, working with him to be, you know, a techn- technically sound individual when it comes to running routes and how to create separations. So he's done a good job, kind of being a sponge, listening to me throughout all these years, and then you utilizing that when he steps on the field. Um, and that's what, you know, that's why all these recruits, um, pretty much, you name a head coach, and they were at his, you know, at his high school. So um, completely, completely different, opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to our recruiting process. But it, it was fun, and and he, he's you, you you guys will get to know him. He's very humbled. Um, he doesn't even like when I talk about him but you know as a proud dad now i see my dad used to kind of drive me nuts when he would you know talk about me in front of people i'm like oh my gosh just stop talking you know and because i didn't want to hear that i just wanted to work and and now i see how proud my dad was of my accomplishments and now looking back and then and then me of my son's accomplishments he's done a lot of cool things and he's worked his ass off and that's what um you know he he gets out of bed and does this but he's also done the Vertamax about ten thousand times and push prowlers and done sleds and he grew he grew up in my training facility, my wife and I training facility. So he was around high school, college, and NFL all elite athletes, kind of growing up his whole life. So um, he was always competing at a, at a very young age, and so yes, he's talented and all that stuff. But when you have the work ethic and the talents, because I always say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, the, he has the talent. And he has the work ethic so when you put those together you become a special individual and that's what he's been
1: so has it uh has it hit mama casper yet that she's got about six to eight more weeks left with her with her baby boy before he's
3: gone it's it's crazy because when you know he was going to be in 2023 and graduate next december so we knew that he's going to play another year and we already kind of knew that oh man he's leaving in December um, and then he was going to go to All-American game which was in January and then January go to whatever college he's you know obviously Oregon now but whatever college he would have been going to and so all of a sudden we just you know he decided that he's not going to do that um, 2023 he's going to be tw- 2022 uh, attend at the end of this summer because he does have to finish a couple classes um, but yeah that that hit us all kind of at first, we're like, oh, that's awesome for him. And then, oh, my God, we only have, you know, less than three months to, you know, before he leaves. And, and it's it's definitely weird. So we're trying to spend as much time with him in between, you know, school and his workouts. And the good thing is uh, now that he's not doing spring ball and stuff, I'm I'm training him six days a week now. So he's back um full-blown and he's never really had an off season because he usually goes to basketball or this year going to track and then just visits you know all the time but now he's focused and the last you know since we got back to morgan and the last three days just busting his butt and working out and um um, so that's kind of fun i get that to you know getting back to training him um all the time but definitely uh i guess an eye-opener reality check like oh my gosh this is a as much of a pain in butt any kid can be, um, having to wake them up and having to you know, cook him food or whatever it may be that your kids were going to miss all that. So it's, um, again, at least he's in good hands with that coaching and staff because they, they did kind of become family to us. And that's one of the reasons my wife is, you know, she can sleep at night knowing that he's, he's going to be taken care of.
1: How did uh, and and I and that this is a perfect segue for this. Just how did the decision or, or when did you guys kind of talk about decide on on you know reclassifying to the 2022 class was was that uh, you know his decision or something you know Oregon said hey look he's got a good shot to come in right away, uh, just kind of what what went into that decision.
3: Um, I mean th- there were a number of factors. Uh, he felt I felt his high school coach. Uh, the different college coaches that we had talked to um, we definitely felt like he was ready you know he he was mentally and physically ready to do that so it's one of those things where he said hey um, I want to go I want to go and compete right now Um, I want to just train until I leave and then kind of go from there so it was a lot of talking a lot of figuring out what would the best opportunity for him would be and at the end of the day the conclusion was i um, graduating this year, reclassified in 2022,
1: head to Oregon in July. Are you, and I, I totally understand this, it's a, it's a huge blessing and I know everybody, uh, you know, anybody would would love to have this opportunity for their, their children, but has it been a huge relief to kind of be done with the recruiting process and being able to, you know, not be dealing with phones 24 seven and mail and, and visiting all these schools? Has that uh, been a nice part of this for the family?
3: Absolutely. I mean, it as as good as good and cool as the first three offers were, and then four, five, six. When it got to 25, 26, and you know, ended up with thirty different offers, um, it, it, it was it was definitely it was overwhelming for him. He'd be at school, and next thing you know, he'd have you know, literally seventy five texts, and then having to go through and then who who do I need to get back to and. And then myself getting texts and DMs and, you know, talking to, you know, just a whole bunch of different coaches. Um, it, it, it was, it was kind of overwhelming for him, but I did my best to kind of answer as many questions as, as um, you know, so then he didn't have to answer as many just because, again, with with so much on his plate from from school and from spring ball and from track, he didn't get home till eight o'clock next thing you know he's going to be on the phone and he still has to eat and do some homework. And um, so... With that being said, it is is definitely uh, just a good feeling. Um, it's cool that he gets to just wear the, the school colors and, and and the Oregon Duck logo and be happy and, and represent it. Um, I know my other kids were getting confused because when we went to UCLA and USC and Tennessee and in Iowa. We went around to a lot of different places and uh, we'd like, you know get him a shirt or something. And at the, at the so my son, my youngest one, is like, wait, I. I don't I don't want all these other schools. What, what school is he gonna go to? You know, I'm like I don't know. <laughs> so we had we just had a lot of different shirts you know, shirts that was filling up his closet and he was about as um, you know, excited as us just to get done with this process and and at the end of the day, Oregon's been kinda the leader um, majority of the time and so at least he had that feeling but still he wanted to go out and make sure for one mm-hmm. it was the right Right opportunity, right place to be, and um, and at the end of the day, you know, Oregon definitely um, was the leader, obviously, and uh, just really excited that he's there.
1: Uh, last question for you, and and we'll send you off here. And we appreciate your time, of course, for sure. Um, the recruiting process itself has 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 obviously evolved not just since you, but uh, you know, since your time, but even in the last two years and uh we're not looking for any particulars or dirt or anything but how do you kind of see the new nil as you've gone through it with kyler uh, you know the name image like this and and the money and the things that are tied to that how do you kind of see that impacting college uh athletics and how much was that a part of kyler's recruitment as well
3: um it, it wasn't a part of Kyler's recruitment uh his his main Focus was on again going to the right opportunity, going to the right offense, going to the right coaching staff, um, going to the right field, and you know it, it didn't matter if, if there's some big offer, some school that he didn't want to go to or that, whatever. Um, there was no, you know, he didn't entertain that. Um, but you know, it's definitely going to change. Uh, people are people are going to one want to ask for whatever whatever they may you know want them to ask or, um and some of the schools that. You know have these big collectives they're they're gonna have i guess it's gonna be more advantageous for them than other schools but um it's it's definitely it's it's, it's a kind of a strange time because there's still they still so it's everything's new you know there's so much newness to this whole thing and all of a sudden you you, you know you couldn't take a dollar from somebody because it's breaking the rules and all of a sudden that whole thing just changed where there's not too many rules so it's definitely gonna be you know change the landscape of recruiting Um, I would say I'm I'm hoping that they don't decide on where these kids don't decide on where to go um, because of whatever they were offered. Um, Just find the right place for you, for your family and you know that's to me that's the most important thing way more important than any uh, NIL offers or whatnot.
1: Uh, Great answer coach. Uh, You know again we weren't trying to put you on the spot just we're trying to gain information just like everybody else and you know and educate our listeners because it's such a new just interesting dynamic into college and, and recruiting that I, I think everybody's trying to learn about it and figure it out including myself. yeah it, it, it's definitely new and and it's new to coaches
3: too like when we go to different places they don't know all the rules and regulations because they're it's not like it's super established where it's like okay you have to follow um, number one, number two, number three. It's kind of almost like a free fall where it's it's just open where where not everybody knows what's going on. The fans don't, not all the coaches do. Um, so you still again you got to be careful with with talking to maybe the wrong person or whatever because um, that can happen. But um, again, at the end of the day, I'm hoping that this doesn't take away you know kids going to their dream school or a place that is best suited for them. And then just going somewhere else just because you know they're gonna make some money
1: no that's that's uh, that's really well put uh, mr. Casper and we I appreciate the insight as well and and I for share sure. the same sen- sentiment as you as well you know try not to let that um, sway your decision too far one way or the other but it's it's definitely yeah. certainly an element now but um, we're gonna wrap up here and, and we've loved your time and we would we would keep you on for another 30 minutes if, if we could but <laughs> I know you probably got, uh, you know, time by the pool. You got to go train Kyler here in a little bit. So we're going to let you jet, but we'd love to get you back on again another time. For sure.
3: it's my pleasure being on here. Um, I like listening to you guys, you guys are some great dudes and, and give insight to, uh, it's good. It's good to give insight to the fans and, and, um, and this, this whole thing, this whole recruiting process, that, like you said, not many people know about it, but it's, uh, it's very it's it's fun times, it's stressful times, and um you know, again, I'm just super happy for the fan base and everybody that that represents the Oregon Ducks from even the ex players too, because I saw when they came back, um, I've talked to some of them, and it's a different feel. That's what they say. This coaching staff is a different feel. They're very welcoming, and it's it's just it's a great staff, so anybody listening right now. I just want to make sure you guys are in great hands, and I've been around the block. I've played many years in the NFL, in college, and. Um, the best staff I've ever been is, you know, University of Iowa because that's my family. They're still around. That's why Coach Ferentz has been there for 20, um, going on 24 years. But this staff is a really special staff that I'm hoping everybody just supports them and, and just enjoys and just, I guess, relishes this, this entire staff as a whole because um, I firsthand know that they are an exceptional, awesome uh, staff, so I hope everybody's happy about that. I just wanted to say that the last thing, just so you know, everybody listening can kind of put a smile on the face, knowing that they're in good hands at at University of Oregon with uh, with this staff.
0: Well, that put a smile on my face. I, I love hearing <laughs> that. Thanks, Kevin.
3: No problem. Great talking to you guys. Thank you, buddy. Go go Ducks.
0: Go Ducks. I love it, man. Hey, we're we're hitting a wall on time, so I I'm not gonna go through my usual motion of of kind of replaying the highlights and analyzing what i heard but just big picture if i could take one thing from that interview the enthusiasm that he has and the enthusiasm his son has for oregon that's palpable you
1: feel it you just know it's there well you're right and i agree with you and i i think uh you know i know uh, the people that listen to us really like when we break parents on because it's a different point of view Oh yeah, you know somebody who's been through life experiences and, and just able to kind of weed through some of the stuff a little better than a, a 17 or 18 year old which is no knock on them that's just when we're when we get older we tend to get smarter and uh, I, you know I, I really liked what he mentioned about the staff but I also liked how he talked about Oregon and just the relationship and the genuineness kind of trumping uh, NIL I know that that won't apply to every recruit. I mean, that can't apply to every recruit, but it is refreshing to hear that there are still some of those that are, you know, either thinking on their own or being led by their parents or coaches or whoever to, hey, you know, put that to the side, make the best decision for you. And, you know, I feel like that was very much the case here with with Kyler Casper.
0: Offers all over the country, opportunities all over the country. They took their time. They made the best decision for them. And that was the University of Oregon. That's really cool. We'll leave you on that note this week. We'll come back next week with more uh, spring game in the rearview mirror. A big recruiting party in Beaverton tonight. If you're going, have a great time. Uh, QB11's got his spring game stream tonight as well. That's pretty fun. And uh, lot, lots more to love. The weather's starting to, start, starting to turn sunny and nice. I love that, too. Uh, I'm rambling. Okay, let's, let's just wrap this up here. Thank everybody for listening. We appreciate your help. We appreciate your support. Have a great day, and go Ducks.